Good morning, everyone. Come on in and get settled down, and we'll begin our worship with a song. Let's sing together. <clears throat> I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Jesus Christ, he died for me, and he took away my sin. I will live with him for eternity. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. I will call upon the Lord. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all here this morning, worshiping together. Uh, let's go to God in prayer as we be in our worship. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with the beautiful cold weather outside. It reminds us of the winter and Christmas time and the season that Jesus came and was born for us. We thank you that we get to still come together and worship you even with everything going on. We pray that as Chris delivers the message to us this morning, that we would receive it with our open hearts and open minds. And we pray that everybody that is not able to make it today, that you be with them and you protect them and keep them safe. We pray all this in your name. Amen. We'll sing three songs before uh, our scripture reading, and these three songs are, are kind of a little mel uh, medley uh, that talk about the holiness of God. So let's keep that in mind as we sing together. <clears throat> On Zion's glorious summit stood a numerous host redeemed by blood. They him their king in strains divine. I heard the song and strove to join. I heard the song and strove to 
join. Hear all who suffered sword or flame, for truth or Jesus' lovely name. Shout victory now and hail the Lamb, and bow before the great I am, and bow before the great I am. While everlasting ages roll, eternal love shall feast their soul, and scenes of bliss forever new. Rise in succession to their view. Rise in succession to their view. Holy, holy, God of hosts on high adored, who like me thy praise should seek. O Almighty King, holy, holy, holy. God of hosts on high adored, holy, 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 holy. Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to shall be
church, not only to you, but the people watching at home. I'm going to be reading from John 21, verses 24 and 25 in the NIV. This is the disciple who testified to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. May God bless the reading of his word. Testing, one, two. There we go. All right. It's a little slow, but so am I. Um, <laughs> I want to remind you guys that this is uh, the beginning of a week that is our week of prayer. 
you may have heard Kyle talk about this a couple of weeks ago. Don had mentioned it, I believe. Uh, we've been announcing it for a little while, and we've traditionally done uh, an evening of prayer, uh, a day where we come together and here at the building maybe we go through some, some process of prayer to rethink how we pray personally um, and, and to help kind of shape our prayer lives. Uh, Kyle has put together a whole week of uh, individual kind of prayer prompts and activities that we can participate in. Uh, those are going to be going out by email this week. Uh, they will also, I believe, be on our social media profiles and our church website. Yeah. There's also a physical copy in the back, and so uh, if you need to go around and grab it uh, after service, you're welcome to do that. But we want to remind you that this is coming up because we think there's a lot to be praying for. Um, our world is constantly in need of prayer, uh, and, and we have, uh, as the people of God, an open line to the one who has the solution to pretty much all of the problems. Um, and so we want to encourage you to uh, pray this week, to participate in the prayer activities that have been put together. Um, I'm excited about it. I've been able to look at the material ahead of time, uh, so I, I won't spoil anything for you, but it looks like a really fantastic week, and I think if we commit ourselves to the kinds of prayers that uh, we're being prompted to pray uh, and the activities that we're uh, being invited into, we'll all find ourselves very blessed by that. Um, we are continuing a series called Every One, and in this series, we are looking at how each member of the church has a role to play. And we're also going to be looking at how the church then serves the individuals within the body. Uh, but right now, we're definitely focused on the, the first one. Uh, how do we, as the individuals who comprise the body of Christ, find ourselves about the work of the church? Um, David read to us from John chapter 21. This is our last week uh, reading through John 21. And uh, we're leaving off with this idea that John writes the book of John to bear witness. This is what he says his purpose is. The reason he wrote these things down was to bear witness to what he had encountered. And I think if we look at the early church, what we end up seeing is that that was their primary concern, to bear witness to the resurrected Christ, to bear witness to who Jesus was, to bear witness to what he did. And they did that in a number of ways. Uh, of course, if we, if we talk about Acts chapter 2, uh, we see all sorts of stuff that happens within the early church. We see preaching that is powerful and effective. Uh, we see people witnessing through words about Jesus. And throughout the rest of the book of Acts, we see people doing various things that serve to tell others about Jesus. But this idea of witness in, in our culture uh, is, is a little foreign. Uh, we actually, we did a series that was just on witness uh, last year, I think, and um, it was a, a thoughtful look at what it means from a scriptural standpoint to be a witness, to bear witness. Uh, and so I want to I kind of step back into that thought process this morning but first, I want to share some memes, uh, which I think may help us understand what witness might mean in our culture. Um, if you watched the inauguration this week, or if you were anywhere on the internet at any point in time, you saw one particular image. Uh, and this particular image is of uh, Bernie Sanders sitting in a chair, arms crossed, kind of slouched down, wearing his hand-knit mittens and a, a kind of frumpy-looking coat. Um, and of course, you hear a lot of people, you know, 
Bernie had somewhere he had to be after, after the inauguration. I got someone to go, I, I got to be there at 3 o'clock. This is Bernie's uh, kind of all-purpose outfit. He, he's not a formal guy. And so it became a meme that kind of went all over the place on the internet. It was viral. And in one of my Facebook boards, one of the pages that I frequent because I'm a nerd, um, it's an acapella worship leaders page on Facebook. And this was my favorite version of this meme that I saw this week. The old guy in church who doesn't like the new hymn. You guys' arms pretty folded there. I've seen this look before leading worship, you know, introducing a new song and someone is, I also see this occasionally as a preacher. Oh man, it's been 30 minutes now. Is he almost done sitting back? And, uh, I, I found this to be a really good example of how uh, something small and unnoticed can become something that everyone bears witness to. My personal take on this image, uh, I went and I, I put this together, um, Jonah waiting for God to destroy Nineveh, you know? <laughs> Just, I'm going to sit back, I'm going to watch it happen, God take care of these people. I'm not going to do any more Bernie Sanders impressions this morning. Um, bearing witness is about what we've seen and how we respond to what we've seen so that other people might know what it is that we've seen, what we've experienced. And John, in all of his books in the New Testament, is really heavily focused on this idea of bearing witness to what he's experienced. Um, we're going to look at, uh, of course, the, the verse that uh, was just read to us, John chapter 21, verse 24 through 25, where he says, This, the person writing the book, is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And so John tells us two things here. He says, I'm the one writing it. My testimony is true. You know me. You know my testimony is true. We know that John wrote to a group of people that were the, the Johannine community, the, the group of people that uh, he was personally responsible for, really as an elder, as a shepherd to that individual group. Uh, they were individuals who knew and respected him, who loved him as he grew into his old age, and they were shaped and formed by his teachings about Jesus. And this, this gospel, is his legacy. It's what he leaves behind. He says, I wrote this because I bore witness to it. And you know that the witness that I bear is true, that my testimony is trustworthy, that, that what I tell you is right because we have a relationship and based on that relationship, I hope you trust the words that I've given to you. This is, this is John saying, here's my story about Jesus. And he makes it clear, there are other stories that could be told. There are other events that happened in the life of Christ. There are other miracles that were performed. There were other moments of personal connection that Jesus had with people. And those stories, they're so numerous that we couldn't possibly write them all down. But this is what I've written. This is my testimony. This is my witness. And when I think of Jesus, when I think of who he is and how he shaped and changed me, this is the story I think of. 
And so when we read the Gospel of John, we have to understand this is not just a person writing cold, hard history. This is a person bearing witness about the most significant person they ever encountered. The, the one that changed everything for them, who set their entire world down a different path. This is what John is approaching in writing the Gospel of John. And I believe that that's, in fact, what the, the other Gospel writers are trying to do. I, I encountered Jesus, either directly or through the teachings of others. And in doing so, I have to share the story. I'm compelled to do it. I must bear witness. But John also tells us in John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1-4, through 4, why he writes these things, why he shares what he shares. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest. And we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. The purpose of witness is multifaceted. The reason we share the story of Jesus is not, there's not just one reason. There's some really good reasons that we might place as priority number one. As individuals, we may say, this is the primary reason that I'm sharing it. But John makes it clear that it's not just one purpose. He shares it, first of all, so that others might have fellowship with him. I, I want to have community around this idea, around this understanding of what life is about. I want to share my joy with others. And then he also says that without sharing it, essentially, his joy would be incomplete. I want to share it with others because I want the community, but I also want the complete joy that I know can come from sharing it. I want to share it certainly because it's true. I think that that's what he's saying at the end of the Gospel of John. I'm sharing this because it's true. I'm sharing it and you know it's true because you trust me. You know who I am and you can trust my words. But for John, sharing the Gospel is not an optional thing. It's what he has to do. If his life is built on Jesus... If the three years that he followed him through the, the, the entire nation of Israel, especially the Galilean countryside, he has to share that good news. Before I met Jesus, I was someone different. And what I like is that John, John certainly doesn't make the gospel of John about him. As you read through the gospel, what you come to the realization of is that he doesn't he doesn't mention himself by name. He just is really intentional about stepping back and, and distancing himself from the narrative, except to say, this, this is what I've seen, but it's all about Jesus. 
Jesus is the primary focus. And isn't it great what Jesus did with that person? Isn't it great what Jesus did with this person? And isn't it amazing what Jesus did with those loaves and fishes? And isn't it amazing what Jesus can do to a bunch of ragtag, scraggly, not particularly together guys? Isn't it amazing what I saw Jesus do? And I tell you this story so that my joy may be complete in sharing it with you and then sharing the result of this story as it impacts you in your life. What I find remarkable about the book of Acts is how few miracles occur. Now, there are miracles that happen in the book. There, there are moments where people are sh shackled in a prison and the earth shakes and they're set loose and free. There are moments where they, they raise the dead. There are moments where they cast out demons. There are moments where they should die themselves and they don't. There's a moment where Paul gets particularly long-winded. Someone falls out of a window and dies because they fell asleep during his sermon and he raises him from the dead. That's pretty miraculous to me. But the power of the book of Acts, the moments that seem to matter the most, the ones that change people's lives are not the miraculous moments, but the testimony, the witness that is provided. When, when Paul is freed from his chains in prison, it's not the fact that he's been freed that converts the jailers. It's the fact that he testifies about why he didn't run away. It's the fact that he testifies about who changed his life. And every moment that Paul finds, especially when it's going to get him in big trouble, Paul proclaims his witness to Jesus. When Peter is standing in front of a crowd that just recently has executed his Savior, he boldly proclaims his witness, his testimony to the resurrected Christ. And he doesn't mince words about it. And in sharing his testimony, in sharing the good news that he's discovered, many people come to believe in Jesus. Not based on a miracle he performs. Now, certainly there is a miracle that happens there, right? All the people get to hear things in their own language, and there's the Spirit moving through and tongues of fire above people's heads. And that's all exciting and wonderful. But it's not that that changes the hearts of the crowd. It's the witness, the testimony to who Jesus was. There are a lot of times that I think we fall into the trap of believing that we need to do something big to grab the attention of the people that we're ministering to. We need to do something outlandish, something wild, something crazy, something that catches their attention, that's a, a, a gigantic, flashy moment. And flashy moments are good, but if there's no witness, it doesn't mean much. See, the, the miracles that occur in the book of Acts are always an opportunity then to proclaim a witness to Christ, to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And what makes Peter and Paul and John, and Barnabas, and Timothy, 
and Titus and all these people that we read about in the New Testament who have powerful and effective ministries, such powerful and effective ministers, is that they bear witness to what God has done in their lives through His Son, Jesus Christ. Paul reaches a point where he can tell his story backward and forward. Let me tell you about when I encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Peter can talk very openly about the times he was rebuked and the times that he was encouraged and about the time that he was restored. John can tell you what it was like to sit at Jesus' feet and hear him teach or to watch him sit at a well with a woman and talk to her and share open theological conversation with her, which is wild and crazy. Their ministry was powerful not because of the miracles they performed, not because God had had taught them the secret, but because they had witnessed Jesus and they shared that witness with others. And they became practiced in sharing their witness, their testimony, the truth of the story of the gospel in their lives. The times in which the church has grown the most are times where people are willing to share their witness. Willing to tell people, this is my joy that I have found, and it will only be complete if I share it with you. Everywhere that Paul goes, he's spilling out these words about Jesus because he can't not do it. Everywhere he goes, and it gets, like I said, it gets him into some trouble. People want to hurt Paul because they just wish he'd stop talking about this Jesus guy, and it would have been really expedient for him just to stop talking about Jesus. He wouldn't be imprisoned. He wouldn't be stoned. He wouldn't be sent off to Rome. Paul must share Jesus. And I wonder if every one of us were going to bear witness about Jesus with the same fervor that Paul does, what that would mean for our, for our church, certainly the Newburgh Church of Christ, but for the church as a whole. If Christians today bore witness with the positive zeal that first century Christians did, where would we be today? So this is my my challenge. A couple of weeks ago, I challenged all of us to consider who are we feeding? Who am I personally ministering to in such a way that they are growing spiritually, that I'm making sure that they're tended to and cared for? Last week, we talked about the idea of every one of us being on mission, that God calls each of us to a particular mission field, uh, an area in which we can share the gospel of Christ. This week, I want to ask you, what is your witness to Jesus? What's the story you tell about him? What's the story that you tell in order to share your joy so that your joy might be complete? And here's the deal. I, I, I think Chuck, uh, Chuck and Nelda in, in their small group, um, I've heard, had, had had kind of a series of lessons where they talked about sharing our story, the testimony of us as individuals. 
And it's something that has to be practiced. You have to think ahead of time. What story about Jesus do I tell? John did that. In writing my favorite gospel, John sat down and said, there are so many things I could tell you about Jesus. But I only get to write one book. What am I going to put in that book? And thoughtfully, he wrote it out. Yes, there was inspiration by the Spirit. There were choices that were made and directed by God. I think God can work in our lives in the same way, that he can direct and inspire our testimony. If we pray prayerfully, God, please give me the words to speak that tell the story of how you have changed my life. What is your testimony? How will you bear witness? If you could only tell one story about you and Jesus, what would it be? And once you've identified that, who are you going to tell that story to? This week, after you've prayed today, tomorrow, Tuesday, who are you going to tell on Wednesday the story about you and Jesus? think if we read through the gospel, if we read through the book of Acts, if we read the, the teachings of Paul and Peter and John in the New Testament, if we read the book of James or Jude, what we see is that these are people who are trying desperately to explain the story of Jesus as he impacted their lives. And we are called to carry on that ministry. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you have given us each a story. We, we didn't just spontaneously find ourselves in you. There was a road before that moment, a path we were walking down. There were people that you placed along the way. There were, there were events that we were drawn to. There were moments of trial and difficulty. There were instances of victory. There were moments where we saw your hand clearly moving in our lives. There were, there were times where we were lifted up and there were times where we were made low so that we could be lifted up. And every one of our stories is valuable in how it testifies to Jesus. And God, this morning I pray that we don't neglect that witness that we can bear. God, I pray, I pray that we don't simply sit back with our arms folded and wait for someone else to tell the story, but instead we take into ourselves the responsibility for witnessing our Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that you are preparing people right now to hear our stories this week. I pray that you help us to be bold. I pray that you help us to be like Paul so that even if we know that sharing the gospel might bring us harm, we do it anyway. That we are so full of a desire for our joy to be made complete that we're willing to, to open our mouths wide and share the good news of how you have changed us, how you have given us life and saved us from death. It's all this that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go ahead and continue in our worship this morning. Kyle's going to come and lead us, and I want to encourage you, if there are ways in which we can pray for you, if there are opportunities that we have to serve you or your family, if you need help in figuring out how to share your witness, your testimony about what Jesus has done in your life, we want to help you out with that. 
If you have an immediate need, something that needs to be prayed for or addressed this morning, you can meet me at the back uh, while we sing. Um, otherwise, just encourage you to pray and ask for prayers from the congregation in those areas. Let's stand and sing. These next two songs will prepare us for sharing of the Lord's Supper, and I uh, hope that they will inspire you to to come into his presence um, as we are able to do and share this time of reflection and thinking about what Christ has done for us and what that calls us to do in response. Let's sing together. Are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior! Isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Amen. You can be seated. That last line, uh, you want to go back, Brian, real quick? That last line, I think, is just so critical. Um, I think it really encapsulates what Chris is talking about, this idea that we are bearing our cross in hope for our reward, and in the meantime, we are telling the world of that treasure.
So I'd encourage uh, us all to think about what is that, even if it was just one story, that encapsulates what this treasure is to us, uh, that we should think about what that is and who we could share that with. Go ahead. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart, I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me then depart. No tongue can bid me then depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. To look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood my life is hidden with christ on high with christ my savior and my god with christ my savior and my god As we come to the part of our worship where we especially remember Jesus, thinking about the witness of John, beside the gospel, beside the three epistles or letters, he wrote the book of Revelation. And from the 20th chapter, I read this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. 
from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were shown were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Let us prepare to take the wafer that reminds us of the life of Jesus as a human being with all the pain and sufferings that that entailed. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you that we come to you not with our sinful nature but we come to you with the life of Jesus. Right now we think about his life on this earth, the suffering that he went through being an ordinary human being. So we take of this bread to remember him and his life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now prepare the cup which contains the juice, which reminds us of his blood. Our Father, we are so grateful. We didn't deserve to be forgiven. But with his blood, Jesus has forgiven us. So as we take of this cup, we remember that he and you remember our sins no more. I want to remind you that there are some ways that you can give, uh, either by sliding a check under Norma's office door, 
or online or through your bank. I also want to mention before we sing our last song, uh, again, every day this week, if you're on our email list, you'll get the prayer, the daily prayer prompt around nine in the morning. It'll be posted on, on our Facebook page as well. And uh, if you're more of a low-tech kind of person and you'd prefer a physical copy, there are some on the table in the lobby that have each day's prayer prompt. But the whole purpose of it, again, is just to engage in prayer together in, in the same topics and to be, you can do it with your family if you would like. There are some suggested activities if you'd like to, to do those as well. But again, we'd encourage you to, to check for those every day this week as we all are um, engaging in prayer as a, as a church body here. Let's go ahead and uh, sing our last song for this morning before Michael comes up to dismiss us. <clears throat> Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save, he is mighty to save, forever author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. Fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever, the author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see, we're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever author of salvation he rose and conquered the grave jesus conquered the grave amen
So correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but it sounds like what we're supposed to do is not be Bernie Sanders, but be more like Paul, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, um, thank you for that message, Chris. It really is a blessing to me. I hope that's a blessing for all of you as well. Um, I'm going to be making sure that I pray and think about that this week, and I encourage all of you to do that as well. Um, please don't forget about the prayer week this week that Kyle just mentioned. Um, there's hard copies in the back for, if you would like a hard copy, and you can also find the prompts that are going to be sent through email or on the social media pages. I encourage you all to do that as well. Let's go to God in prayer as we dismiss this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning again after hearing this message. We pray that you will help us ponder these things this week, ponder these things in our hearts. Help us to find a testimony that we can give to others because you are mighty to save, Lord, but you work through us to help others to be a testimony and a witness to others. Help us to be that for you this week. Help us to be that for you all of our lives. We pray that as we go this morning, that you be with each and every one of us, that you keep everybody at home safe, that you would help end these certain these situations right now, Lord, because we all miss being able to greet each other with love, with hugs and handshakes, and we, I know we cannot wait to go back to that. So I pray that, that you would handle this situation, Lord, that you would help everything to go back to normal. So we pray these things in your name, and we thank you for this beautiful day today. In your name, amen. You're dismissed. Please remember to exit through the front side doors, and have a good week.